Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I am your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today we've got an amazing show where we talk about Transformers, faxing from the beach, and shyness. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code JOSHUA, which is a great, I gotta say, the best offer code of all time, at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build a beautiful. This podcast is also sponsored by Need. Need is a refined retailer and lifestyle publication for men. Each month, Need sources and curates a selection of exclusive products from brands around the world. They're presented in a monthly editorial, a lot like what you'd expect to find in a typical men's magazine, allowing you to find the best products without any need for copious shopping or research, which can be time-consuming. Need just launched Volume 2.5, featuring items from the likes of Nudie, Bell & Oak, Martial Artist, Serial, Nizzolo, and more. The new collection is available at neededition.com. They've also got their Spring Forward campaign running for a few more days. Small micro collections to help you transition into spring at neededition.com slash essentials. Discounts are up to 50% off. Tomorrow listeners who use the promo code, promo code, and yes, that is the code, promo code, during checkout will receive 20% off their order. Need. Check it out. My guest today on the show is Paul Ford. And if you don't if you don't know the name Paul Ford, shame on you, first off. Uh, but secondly, Paul is how can I describe Paul? He is a citizen of the internet. I would describe Paul as a person. I know Paul basically as a person from the internet, uh, but he's become a real person in my life, uh, in no small part, thanks to my wife, Laura June, um, who is a writer, also a person of the internet. And several other people I know who know Paul. And now Paul and I know each other. Um, he is a he is a writer. He is an editor. He is a programmer. Uh, I think decidedly not a programmer. And he's here with me. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> Joshua. A, what is that voice? I, I'm just leaning in on the microphone. Also, I have a little cold. So you, oh, that's it. You're not doing just a sexy voice. No, 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 no. This oh, okay. is this is the real deal. Paul's a Paul Paul. Uh, now, look, a lot of people may know you. I think there's certain people who are listening to this who know who you are. I think They've, an enormous number of people do not know me. I, 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 think we can, I think it goes without saying that in the world, yeah. generally speaking, more people know, uh, don't know you than, than know you. Do you ever think about that? Like what it's like to be like Brad Pitt? Like actually every country in the world, they're looking at him and they're going like, oh man, that guy. Or I know, Vin, I, like I know you. Vin Diesel, right? Vin, you think Vin Diesel's more international than Brad Pitt? And, I think those Fast and Furious movies, like anything where stuff just really explodes. Well, they are those are very international films, and they actually feature a very international cast, a kind of a kind of diverse, multicultural. But that was kind of fascinating about Pacific Rim, right? Like it was so clearly. Like, I've never seen Pacific Rim. Oh, but like as so a movie, alert. no, no, as a movie, it's like they. Things are always happening in other countries. Like it's it's very like the Pacific. Oh, it's going of it. from place to place. Yeah, and it's very yeah. like it's clearly designed for like okay, we're going to need the global market to function in this way. <laughs> well, no, I think about that all the time when I watch movies. Now, yeah, I think this movie was made for China. 
Yeah. Like, this isn't for me. I mean, I can watch it and enjoy it. Like, Transformers. Oh, exactly. I feel like the Transformers, the last Transformers, which I didn't see, but I saw the trailer. I saw one of them. Several times. Because it was just, they're fascinating, the right? The second like, one? I, it was one, there was like a uh, stealth fighter with a beard. I don't, I don't remember much of it. I, you just described every Transformers movie. So what I'm happened sorry. is, there's, I had a friend and he was like, all right, this is this is going to be terrible. We got to go see it. And yeah. like, he roped me into that I movie. Like any, I like any um, friend interaction that starts like that. Right. And it was so loud and painful. He leaned over to me halfway through and he was like, all right, let's just get the hell out of here. It had to have been the second one. Yeah, it was really the bad. The second one had a great review. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it had a review. IO9 did a review of it. Mm-hmm. That was sort of like, this isn't a movie. This is an experience. This is something, this is something that happens to your body. It was so punishing. <laughs> like the sound was so punishing. And like, yeah. You know, when those robots start to transform, it's just like, <laughs> for like 45 minutes and then the robots are racist and you're just like what is happening and you just imagine actually the, I, can i just let me clarify there well, the, robot, the robots aren't racist the way they're written is racist yeah i'm sorry the representation they, they, of the robots that transform from yeah. cars to anthropomorphic they're like, robots they're is, like they're like yeah they're like they're funky or whatever they're yeah, it was, like the, but it was bad it was a little it was a little yeah. worse than funky it was a little like well it yeah. was I mean, it was racist. So it's a whatever, good conversation for us to be having on a podcast. Whatever, I'm sure this will go well. Two white guys. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> two internet white guys talking yeah. about race in in, in uh, America in, in filmmaking in the con- in the context of Transformers. Let's just uh, bring. No, us- I think we should keep going on that. All Let's right. follow that down. Let's Let see where that goes. Throw a word out. Intersectionality. Where are you? But you know, I don't know what that word means. But <laughs> it was racist in the way uh, the new Star Wars movies. Well, the oh, first one, the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Is it the first one? Yeah, the yeah, way yeah. that was racist, which is you get the impression that the people who are responsible for it aren't aware that the thing they're doing is actually racist. Like, I don't think George Lucas, is, I don't think he's racist. I know for a fact. I would say he's not racist. Uh, no one saw Red Tails, so we're never going to know. I don't know what that is. That was the movie he made about, I think, about the Tuskegee Airmen. Is it racist? Probably not, but no one saw it. Okay, so anyhow, Paul, you're a writer, you're an editor. <laughs> You're a programmer. Yeah, I'm all the, I'm all three of those things. And you have you're married. I am married, and you have twins. And I have I have two children. Yes, yeah, I do. okay, that covers that. I didn't time. know this when I was researching you, which I did extensively yeah, before no, I can, this. I can tell. Uh, you read a book. You I read did. A novel. Well, you know what? You're um, when we're talking about the people who know me and the fact that ninety nine point nine, like like seven sigmas of humanity, does not know who I am. Uh, the eighth sigma is the the people who might know that I wrote that book. It, yeah. is, it did not sell very well. <laughs> They're tuned in right now. Yeah. What, how, what, what's not that well? I actually don't know that oh, much. Oh man, about I sales, don't so. even remember. But like, they don't tell you. They don't. No one. No you one. But you wouldn't describe it as a success. Oh no, no. This is one of those things where like you call the publishing company. And you're like, so what's up? And they're like, I we don't know. It's not here anymore. And you're like, no, <laughs> this is Penguin Plume. It's the it's the phone number. And they're like, not nobody. Oh, it's not at this address. It's like a boiler room. Yeah, situation. yeah, no, penguin plume, definitely a boiler room. <laughs> Those guys. Uh, um, so, so, uh, how did that happen? I mean, what, what? Give me the sequence of events. When did you, when did you publish it? So, uh, ten years ago. Do I you was, not want to talk about this? I don't care anymore. Okay. But I mean, but at one point, you didn't want to talk about it. Uh, it's very painful to publish a book and just watch it. Just yeah. well, anything you do. Can I just say this? That doing anything that where you put your uh, creative, you know, creativity or creative energy into it, or you put 
something of yourself into it that doesn't succeed. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, it's painful when it doesn't succeed. Yeah. And this was like, this was particularly painful. I mean, it's like in retrospect, now I've got a bunch of context. I can see what was going on, but it was like, you know, they gave me, I was writing, um, it was actually, it started as a hoax online on the morning news. And it was, I was writing as a kid in Williamsburg. And this is like, again, 2003 and, uh, editors, right. And nobody could tell if it was real or not. And um, it was it was about this guy who was going to start a band, and he's just very full of himself. You, was, how are you writing it? As what kind? In what kind of capacity? That just would as people- like a guy who had just come to the city, just like you know, he it would just be like, "Hey, I went and I went to this club, and it was cool." And just like he just was a complete. You idiot. were writing in the character. Uh, in the character, yeah. Can we talk about the book? Can we sorry? Can we say the name of the book? Gary Benchley, comma Rockstar was okay. the name of the book. And so you began writing this for a website called The Morning News. Yes. Which does it still exist? It absolutely. Does. Yeah. Absolutely. It's still publishing away. Um, and, uh, and and I remember The Morning News vividly from the early 2000s. I felt like it was a thing that some people, that a lot of people read. Sure. It's different. I don't know if it is now, but. Uh, it's still, I, I bet you it still has, to, I mean, I, I actually don't know the stats, but no, it's still actively published. There's lots of, lots of readers. It I'm sounds like I should read it. The Morning oh, it's, News. It's, it's like, oh, I better check this out. It's a great site. So you were writing in character as a, you were doing a column. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And um, uh, a lot of people thought it was real. And so people asked me if I wanted to write a book. And I was like, I guess I do. And uh, then I wrote the book. And the process of writing the book was like, okay, here's my book. And they're like, cool, got your book. And then they're like, I'm going to give you a couple bucks. And I was like, wow, money. And they're like, yep. And then they published it. And then it went, blah. And then, uh, and I was like, well, I guess I failed for life. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, whatever, dude. That's the, that is the funny, that's actually really funny. Um, because I had a career before I was a you know, journalist or whatever it is I'm pretending to be right now. Um, making, so the, okay. making music. Yeah. And you, it is one of those things. Well, in my life, I've always been, uh, maybe you weren't that interested in the book. Maybe you just did it cause you could do it. But oh no, I wanted this thing to work. Yeah. I've always done these things where, where, um, you know, I put I put just an enormous amount of time and energy and passion into it. And then, you know, I've had tr- transitional moments. Like when I was done with music where it wasn't really going in the direction I wanted it to go in. And I wasn't that happy with the things I was making. And I wanted to – I started – that's when I started writing really. Mm-hmm. But you get to these moments where you think – but you think, oh, my life's – I'm done. Like what I – I mean, maybe you don't feel this way. But I – you think, oh, I failed. I'm a failed, I'm a failure. Well, I think that all the time about everything, right? <laughs> like, like, like on a daily basis. Yeah. Really? Like, who doesn't think that? I, I, yeah, I kind of do. It's a little problem. Um, I think that, but I think the practice of adulthood is self-delusion. And so that, you know, you learn to stop thinking you fail every day. And no, start, I still think it. I just cover it up, oh, okay. right? Like, yeah, no, it's constant. Do you know you're covering? Oh, yeah. yeah because yeah. I think that what's important about being an adult is that you don't know you're covering. Oh, no, I know. I, I My therapist is too expensive for me not oh, to Oh, you have know. a therapist? Of course I do. Do, should I have one? Because I yeah. don't. Have one. Oh yeah, that's good. So? Yeah, no. He's... I feel like. See, I feel like uh, that's maybe my problem. Well, I'm not in therapy. I mean, that could be one of your problems. We don't know. Do I mean, we? Yeah, we don't. I, there's, you know, no not... way, there's no way to tell because I haven't gotten the help that I need. I mean, who knows? It just so you know. Uh, for me, I don't know. I, yeah, it's good. It's good to have someone to debrief with, get a plan, structure stuff. I'm definitely less crazy. So one time a week. Yeah, one time a week. Okay. I mean, I would imagine if somebody's listening to this right now, I don't know what we're talking about at this point. But that's I, fine. Well, we can get back to technology. No, I don't want it. I, I'm actually enjoying this because I, you know, I so rarely uh, have conversations with people. 
I mean, yeah, I, I mean, work, they're the worst. I work a lot. I like, no, I like conversations, but most conversations are, are filled with things that you don't want to talk about. Have you hit the point? I feel like at this point, like my, my hobby is going to meetings. Like I feel yes. that, like, like I'm, I'm like, I get a bunch of work done and then I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, that meeting will be fun. I have, so, and I'm not complaining because I'm very, I have a, a, no, we live lives of stupid privilege. I have a great career and I'm very happy and it's wonderful. And yeah. I'm glad that I, somebody thinks I'm important enough to set a meeting with me. Right. Right. It's a, it's a, it's wonderful. Yeah. But but I am I'm definitely in a in a day to day situation where I a person has to come and get me from the meeting I'm in mm-hmm. to make sure I go to the next meeting. Right. And that happens all the way through the day until I'm done. Right. And then when I and like there are times when I and maybe you do this, maybe maybe you don't. Sometimes I'll get a half an hour break in between meetings mm-hmm. and I get really excited because I can check my email. What do you oh okay, that's your thing? Like it's just like <laughs> well, just, just me like, and my phone. Well yeah. no, no. It, I mean, I just like, I think I can get some things done. Maybe I can contact some people. So since I work for myself a lot, that for me becomes train time. Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah. nobody can. I, I have an excuse when I'm on the train to like not be doing anything. Right. So that's. But that's you're on, you're on, you're talking about a subway. Subway, yeah. What kind of phone do you use? Well, I'll tell you, it's an Android. Okay. Moto. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and this is nerdy, but I was just thinking, well, uh, you couldn't get anything done on an iPhone because it's not. It doesn't really load all of your messages. And yeah. maybe you're maybe you're going through a backlog. But Android does seem to me to have it's better at loading things before you get to them. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's you know actually quite about? good at it. Like you'll be on you'll be underground, you'll be like, Oh, okay, I get it I get enough. But then you can't right. really No, and then I'll queue up some replies. Like I did that on the way over here. Oh really? Right? Oh yeah, I just yeah. sat there and just like and then it's funny because my I start elevated on the train, then I go underground, then I get the bridge because I'm on the Q train. Mm-hmm. And then I then I go back underground. So it's like I literally am like, okay, a couple quick replies. Oh, you get them out. I get them out. And then literally I start to get like the slack start coming in while I'm on the bridge. Like you crest the, the top of the Manhattan Bridge. And as yes. you're on your way down, you're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then there's a lot of like, yes, going into tunnel. Interesting. We'll call you. And then I'm on the other side. Yeah. Well, that's, what, that's great. That's a great autoresponder situation. A great auto reply. I mean, I've, I've found that I actually have started using – the, the automatic the automatic text responses, which I think is a bad sign. You yeah. Know, it's like, yes, no, okay, maybe let me call you back. Because what Things are like you? That. What are you at that point? Like you could you're, just you're, be like a stochastic robot. Like and just, can't can't it figure out what I what my response would be? I mean, why not? I mean it should point. be it should be able to. Right. All right. I think this is about the time this is a perfect opportunity. I'm gonna take a break. Talk talk a little bit about some products. I'm going to talk about a sponsor that I'm a big fan of. And then we're going to come back and talk more. Let me talk to you about something. First off, you're, you said you basically work for yourself. Yeah, for the most part. You don't have a business, but it's, well, a, no, kind I, of, it's a kind of business. I have a business. It's Me Incorporated. But yes. Is it called Me Incorporated? No, it's, it's got a different name. Well, let me introduce you to our sponsor, Zero X-E-R-O. What does Zero do? Well, let me tell with you, an it's X. beautiful accounting software built to help small businesses be more productive and successful. That's actually really exciting to me. And I think the most interesting part here is beautiful accounting software, right? Because those are three words that have never gone together in the history of the world. I'll tell you the honest truth. My wife works as a bookkeeper, and it is those are truly three words that will <laughs> right. never come together. Right? Well, they have come together thanks to Zero X E R O X E R O dot com. Yeah, Zero dot com. Okay, that's right. Uh, let me tell you some more about Zero. It's it's easy to use. You can send invoices, online quotes to your customers, pay your employees if you have employees. No, wait, is it all web based? 
Yeah, it's in the cloud. Oh, this is fantastic. Manage your cash flow, expenses, and even your inventory with zero if you have inventory, which I don't know if you do. No, I have very your, little inventory. Your, your ideas are your inventory. Yeah, it doesn't scale very no. well. Zero is in the cloud, so you can access and manage all of your business accounting on the go. And it does what desktop software does and more. Plus, you can use it anywhere at any time from your mobile device. Honestly, swear to God, I'm going to look at it. You should. I'm going to go check it out. It's a great out. product. And my wife is going to look at it. We're going to talk about it because we talk a lot about accounting in our home. And it's going to be part you of our she's conversation. A bookkeeper. She's a bookkeeper. This is uh, not work, a book. She works it's not in construction. A no, different, different right, sort right. of thing. I mean, this is great. If you're working and traveling, you can send invoices easily on the go, and clients can pay online instantly. Okay. I mean, that's the kind of thing. I don't know if you need that, but. Oh, no, no. I need that. If you run a small business, that's very helpful. So here's what you do. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zero.com slash podcast. Okay. That's X-E-R-O dot com slash podcast. Okay. Uh, zero. X-E-R-O. Zero is beautiful accounting software built to help small businesses be more productive and successful. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at zero.com slash podcasts. We're back with Paul Ford. What were we talking about when we left off? Do you remember? I don't know. I just bought a Raspberry Pi. We could talk about that. Ooh. Do you really want to talk about that? Not really. Can you tell us what a Raspberry Pi is for those who might be listening that don't know what a Raspberry Pi is? A Raspberry Pi is a credit card-sized computer that comes with absolutely nothing. No, uh... Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Does the idea, does the credit card-sized computer part of that make you the most excited? Oh, yeah. That's, see, I feel like when you just said that, I mean, I know, obviously, know what a Raspberry Pi is. Um, Obviously. Because <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. But it does, it does, there's something, like, deep in my in my body when I hear something like credit card size computer. Right. Cause you get very excited. You spent your whole childhood going like, Oh, I put a square on the screen and it was some eight bit or 16 bit piece of garbage. And then (laughs) now you can buy this thing for $35. What's weird about it for me is like computers will be free for my children. There'll be nothing. They're like, they don't, they don't care. They kind of already are. They get a phone on contract for free. I mean, you have to pay for the contract, but exactly. And it's a computer. Essentially. It's just going to suffuse everything. Like, if it's $35 now, it'll be $5 in a couple of years. Like, it's just like, it's, it's all this, all these things that like, I do remember just like, you know, 10 years ago buying machine and like, it's just too freaking expensive. You just spent a whole bunch of money to get it. Yeah. Um, I blew $4,000 once in like 1998 on, on a computer. No, I mean the, the, the idea of, and we're going to get really nerdy here in a second. The idea of good enough didn't really exist at some point, like 10 years ago, right. good enough didn't exist. There wasn't good enough, wasn't good enough to be reasonable. Yeah, even for like anybody. word processing was slow. Right. Yeah. You needed like a serious, like a 486. Yeah. You like, like a Pentium two, like a knee high <laughs> tower. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I had, I mean, I, you know, of With course, a turbo switch. Yeah. <laughs> just flick that thing. Yeah. And just go. Turbo but, switch was good. But no, but people didn't know, like, you know, it was like the web. I mean, 10 years ago, but what people don't remember is that 10 years ago, there's basically almost no internet. I mean, think about. No, there wasn't like prevalent universal everywhere internet. Like there, there's no Twitter. Facebook was nascent. You like kind of had a, you had a Friendster phone. existed. You probably had a cell phone. You had a Nokia or like a Sony Ericsson. Yeah, a flip phone. You had a Sony Ericsson or a Razor. Yeah, the Razors were good. And the Razor had some sort of pathetic little internet capability where you could look at a WAP site. Yeah. You know, I had a trio. I had a trio. Well, that would have been 2007 or 2006. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it actually is this pretty recent window of total transformation. No, no, it's nuts. We actually forget really quickly that that if you go back to 2000, 
just think about 2000 for a second. It wasn't that long ago. The Matrix was came out in 1999. Right. This was the start of the new millennium. Right. Uh, there was nothing that you know or use on the internet that didn't exist, not any of it. S- smartphones didn't exist. Nobody used them. Uh, the BlackBerry may have existed. In, no, I don't know if it, it – some weird – extremely canadian form the blackberry existed yeah it was probably you know like a big brick of a thing it was like a it was just one huge jog dial would you remember the fantasy of that era was that you were going to be able to like fax from the beach like you could take your laptop to (laughs) the beach yeah they were selling laptops with a built-in fax right you could scan it through in between where the monitor where the screen met the keyboard there was a spot where you could just put right. a, a fax straight through that's good stuff I, built-in printers i, I invented right? that i built, invented that product you, oh that's cool that was i don't a good think product. existed no it's good <laughs> no there was always a built-in like um there were always the little printers like those little they were they yeah, yeah just like they were downsizing yeah like there's these little printers that were like a square inch and then like as wide as a piece of paper right and that was the, it was a great you could put you could feed a page through and yeah. it would come out printed and that was seen as a big that's how we're going to evolve so like you're in the hotel and you, you don't even have to go to Kinko's yeah. you can just print you that you print it out right there and then take it downstairs and fax it <sighs> seriously if you go look at Wired in like 98 it's literally just people on the beach with, with equipment no the best thing about looking back Wired is actually a great way to gauge how far we've come because if you look at Wired in 2000 um, they just started I think around 2000 or maybe even yeah to put dot com addresses in ads. Right. Where right. it was like, you know, HP.com if they had one, or, you know, Epson. Epson right. probably had a website. That didn't happen. There was a period for many, many, many years of Wired, which was the most cutting edge. We were going to get so many emails about Epson. Like, you know, it's, you know, it was like, oh, Epson actually turned into like <laughs> K-Wong Consolidated Industries in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. No, Epson existed in 99 and they were the first. Ever. Remember the QCAT? Oh, do I remember the QCAT? Yeah, <laughs> uh, of course I do. But anyhow, but they were like, oh, this will get you, this will, you can get your links faster with this. Oh, thing. that's right. They were always trying to get you to, well, this is the same QR thing. QR like, codes. They're still trying with the QR codes. Hey, but they've gotten you a little bit. They mm, have you a little they've bit. They've like jammed it in there with like two-factor authentication and yeah. stuff, but like nobody cares about QR codes. Only when you're setting up your Google two-factor do you encounter a QR Seriously, code. Seriously, it's the only time, right? And then you have, have you to, seen, you don't know the Apple Watch setup is actually really interesting. When no, you, I, I don't know when that. You set up Why don't you tell me? <laughs> let me. Let me tell you about it, Paul. When you set up the Apple Watch, you actually, it's like pair this with your phone and it gives you a sh- an image on the Apple Watch, which is a kind of undulating 3D, like, um, sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like a, a 3D shell that's mm-hmm. expanding and undulating. Mm-hmm. And you take a pic, you know, you get your phone, like your camera lined up with it and it somehow it's their QR code. It's Apple's m- the most beautiful, sensual QR code that's ever existed. And that's how it starts pairing with your phone. It's very exciting. It did, it did not work the first time I set it up with the Apple reps. They were very, there was a lot, of, there were a lot of sideways glances. Um, anyhow, let's get back on topic here. So you wrote this novel. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for you were an editor. You, you were an editor at Harper's. I didn't know this. Yeah. I'm a big Harper. I mean, we've been subscribing to Harper's forever. Sure. And so presumably You've done stuff in the magazine, right? I edited, uh, so mostly what I did, I did, I have, yeah, not too much though. What I did was I went in, what, 2005, and for five years I uh, was there as an editor, mostly working on their website. So there wasn't a lot there when I went in. I would imagine Harper's was the, I mean, might have been the very last website in the world to exist had it not been for you. It's a complicated story. Uh, The publisher is not a very large fan of the internet. No, I've read comments 
Yeah. So I lived that actually. At one point he was just like, I feel, I was like, Hey, we should do more with our archive. And he was just like, I feel that you are McNamara getting me further into the Vietnam of the internet. He said those words. Yeah. Those are the actual, that was my life, man. That should give you an idea of how seriously people took journalism and publishing in, uh, in the early part of the 2000s. Yeah, God, not like today when it's just a joke. That was, uh, no, but <laughs> admittedly, we're less precious about our, well, we don't I mean, have... everybody admits now, like, that it's it's over. You know, like, we, we've gone, we've crossed the threshold into the new, whatever the new era is. Not everybody, but uh, more more people do. Uh, I think also just, like, the, everything's been around for 20 years, and people are like, yeah, I kind of want to just check my email and get some stuff done. Right. So that's, you know, you think there are still holdouts? They're like, listen, we're not like. I guess Monocle. They don't want to have a Twitter account. I mean, you know, there's always going to be people who are like, no, this is our platform over here. Oh my, so. my phone just. I just got an alert. I'm uh, so sorry. No, it's okay. And I'm sorry to everybody in the booth there. Let me let me turn this. This is a new phone. Of course. I I said I I put it on airplane mode, but that didn't stop my calendar from alerting me to a very important meeting. It's a Samsung, okay? Is it? Yeah, yeah that looks nice. It's the new Samsung, Good. which I, I don't think I don't think I'm going to be keeping. Okay, but I did spend my hard-earned money on it. Okay, and I'm disappointed so far. Sorry. Unrelated. Anyhow, you going to buy an Apple Watch? Um, well, I'm not wearing it right now. Yeah, and I haven't felt tremendously burdened by the fact that I'm not wearing it. Uh, I like watches. Right. I I mean I'm not like a wa- I mean I'm not like a watch bro like I'm really you know I don't have a vast collection of manly watches. Mm-hmm. But I do have a few that I like and I do like the idea of the way watches are designed mm-hmm. and I like the idea of what watches are, mm-hmm. actual mechanical watches. And I don't like the way I mean basically if I were looking at a bunch of watches and the Apple Watch was one of them. Just sight unseen, I don't know what it is. I wouldn't go that square one. Okay. Because I don't like square watches. Okay. In fact, I sort of detest square watches. Well, that's a, that's a problem for you then with this. I don't yeah. detest, but the Apple Watch is so interesting and clever and fascinating that it's made me detest them slightly less. Gotcha. So you had fun with it. Yeah. Okay. It's not a complete, you know, it's not a total failure. It's not, no, no, it's no. not one of these things where it's like they, they, they swung and they missed. No, it's just, I find it fascinating because it is, there is definitely a blank slate thing going on where people are just like, like I felt for the journalists who had to produce enormous amounts of words about it because it was just like, you had to project onto that thing. I actually, my biggest struggle in writing the review was I couldn't just, when you review a phone, it's just like you have a phone. Okay. Even if you have a phone that isn't a smartphone, you understand the basic concept of this thing you carry around and people can contact you and you get some text messages. This is like, you don't under the reader. You don't understand the concept at all. You don't know what it is because nobody really knows what it is. And and maybe Apple doesn't know what it no, is. No, it's like exactly. they're trying to like colonize a space on your body. Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, once we get there, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But we don't know. We just see the we see the like they're looking into a telescope, like wrists. We see wrists. No, I mean there is I at one point I asked uh, some Apple representatives, I said, What's the why why does this exist? And 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 they were like, It's our most personal device ever. And I said, No, I I know that. I know that's part of your, I know that's the literature on this. And I, and I agree with you. It is extremely personal. It's wrapped around my body Yeah. and I can't, I can't escape it when it wants me. Right. But what, like, but what's the reason? And they had a couple of things, you know, this or that activity and communication and they're all fine reasons, but none of them are the slam dunk. Like, look, you have to have a phone. People have to be able to contact you and you have to be able to contact people in the modern world. And you can't do it without your phone. Now you're basically stranded. This is really tricky, right? Because it's what they're, 
I think at some level they 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 know that it's Apple, right? So they know they don't they know they don't have a they know they answer. don't they they know they're just like they want to get onto the wrist, and if they can get right. on the wrist, they'll figure it out. They're smart. They have the right people. But as a seven hundred billion dollar company, you can't go like we're going to figure this out after you buy one, right? Right. Well, so, but they can. They can, right? <clears throat> Not but, a lot of people can, but, but they, they can't really market that exactly. So it's got to be like it's so personal. Well, did you know why the iPad existed when they introduced it? No. Do you still do you do you know why now? Oh, I see what you mean. Um, no, because I had a netbook and it was really bad. I was like, all right, that probably doesn't. Like, this is better than a netbook. Well, because iPhones were so great when you first saw them. So I'm like, yeah, all right. I mean, it was the thing about the iPad is it just wasn't like it wasn't exciting in the same way that the iPhone was because it was just a bigger iPhone. But also, I got that's I left Harper's to go work on an iPad project, so I was actually kind of excited because my whole life was turning. Oh, around. you were thinking about the iPad before yeah. the iPad existed. Yeah, like my, my my wife went for me and waited in line to get one. Yeah, I waited in line. I was actually talking to somebody about this today. I waited in line for the original iPhone as part of one of the one of the early things I did for when I worked at AOL at sure. Engadget when I was just sure. really blogging. Yeah, post post my music career, which I thought had made me a failure for life. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, not having, not being a celebrity, basically what I thought made me a failure was I didn't become the Brad Pitt of, of trance music. That was the metric for you. No, I don't know what the metric was, but I don't know what success is anymore for what is success in music. I think if you can support yourself, I'm not really sure, but, but if you look at society, success in music is Katy Perry is success in music. Yeah, but that's madness. That's right. Like, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, but even, like, but even, who's a small, who's an indie band oh, that man. you like? You oh, know, that's man. successful. Uh, it stays together. Vampire Weekend. I mean, they're okay. They sell millions of records. Yeah, they're very successful. Yeah. They're celebrities. Yeah, they're they're lovely guys, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I talking about? Oh, waiting in line for the iPhone. Yeah. And uh, and I was interviewed by the Globe and Mail. Okay. And I remember I was just recounting this to somebody. And I was very pleased that they noticed. Well, I thought it was nice that they noticed that I was reading both Us Weekly and Lolita. Those are the two things I had in my bag. They were very interested to know what people in line were doing. Sure. That definitely sends a strong signal. <sighs> a bad one, I think, ultimately. A pretty terrible signal. But, you know, <laughs> you got through it. I did. Anyhow, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, the iWatch, the iPad. No, the it's I, not the iWatch. It's the Apple Watch. It's the Apple Watch. Good, good. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm, you don't want to be one of these people who call who say iTouch. No, I know. I got sent don't here. Be for, that. Yeah, don't no, be Apple that. Apple sent me here to test you. <laughs> oh, that's the reason. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about – I have some other things I want to talk to you about that are slightly less nerdy and slightly more important okay. than the Apple Watch. Uh, here's a couple of things you might not know about Squarespace. Uh, it's simple. It's powerful. It's beautiful. They have 24-7 support via live chat and email, not telephone support. So don't try calling them. They won't answer. I don't even know if they have a phone number, honestly. But who needs a phone when you're talking to somebody on the internet? I mean, do you, you find that preferable to the phone, don't you? Yes, I do. I mean, I prefer to chat with no, somebody. No, I like a good live chat where they where they can really engage with you yeah. is a superior product. Offer. I actually do call people 
uh, from time to time. Yeah, but if the live chat works, and they, especially if it's like for a web thing, and they can just be like, "Oh, here, check out this link. Do this. I fixed the account. Here's the root password for all your friends." Right. Like I, they would never do that, obviously. But I like, don't think they would give you. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they would do that. But they probably would fix your problem. I mean, this is Squarespace we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Right. right? I just I, for for Squarespace, live chat's going to be a much better. Of solution. course. What are you even going to ask them? The, like, I mean, why phone? would you even need support because it's so easy and simple to but use? You, but if you do. If you have to do it, they've got it 24-7. It's $8 a month, which is very affordable, and you get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. The responsive design, your website scales to look great on any device, which is, I would say, table stakes at this point. You've got to have a site that works on every screen. Commerce, every website comes with a free online store. Cover pages, a feature that allows you to set up a beautiful one-page online presence in minutes, and it's great for photography sites and portfolios. You can start a trial today with no credit card required and start building your website. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Joshua to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for our podcast. Thanks, Squarespace, for your support of tomorrow. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Let's talk about your writing a little bit, because one of the things that uh, I think when I think of you now I've never thought of you before, really. But when Good. I think when I think of Paul Ford, mm-hmm. first I think, what a great name. What a great, solid, uh, uh, very easy to pronounce and easy to spell name. Yeah, there are like nine million of them in the world. Sure, but yeah. but the difference but that's that's bad. That's a negative. You you have to be, you know, figure figure out a way to carve out your own Paul Ford space. But on the flip side, nobody ever misspells any part of your name. Never a problem. Have you ever had anybody misspell your name? Sure. No, sure. people. Really? Are, yeah, they get forced. They get like fraud. I mean, just. It but if just, they hear the word Ford. Oh no, they screw it up. No, I mean, <laughs> really? it's, things are hard for people. <laughs> I don't believe that. Human beings have a challenging time with all sorts of orthographic things. It's well, tricky. words are are uh, complicated. Yeah, complex. I think they are. Personally, yeah. do you? Yeah, that's one of my things. So what? That's a great segue. So so you you write a lot. I mean, you write quite a bit. Yeah, and I do. and on the internet about the internet often, but not always about the internet. Sometimes off the internet about other things than the internet. So you wrote a piece uh, that that maybe I said this. I might have said this to you before the podcast, but I'm going to repeat it. Um, my wife Laura June, who is also a writer, said this is the most Paul Ford thing that Paul has written, and it's about being polite. Mm-hmm. It's about how you're polite, mm-hmm. and how y- your politeness is something that it's it's studied politeness. You've spent time cultivating a polite demeanor. Well, you know, I don't know if you had this experience, but you, sometimes you grow up and just feel like a robot. You're like, what, what is going on here with these people? I, I don't know what that, no, I didn't have Okay. So for me, I'm just like, what, how am I supposed to behave in this situation? Oh, oh, oh. Like how do I interact with other people? Yeah. Oh, because like adolescence just feels like you just got dropped off by a spaceship. Sometimes. Oh no, no, no. That's right. Okay. Sorry. I misunderstood, but I definitely, Every it's to this day, I still when I get in a room full of people, I think, how am I going to do this? So I have a lot of like I think about that problem a lot, right? Like I'm a very shy person. I'm not always comfortable, and so like it's tips and tricks. And so like I picked up. It's these- like a. It's like a. Uh, I mean, tips and tricks. It's like a. What are the guides they used to have for video games that were like? Oh, they were like tips and tricks. I it was, think yeah. it was tips and tricks. Like it was, centipede. It's like the code, you know, code yeah. for Contra or whatever. Right, right, right. So right. this is the Contra code for polite conversation. Well, all right. So the, for human interaction. So there's a few things going on with that piece. Like one is, I believe that when you write for the internet, 
I have this little sneaking suspicion that the thing that will always put a piece over the top is if it has like a slight service component. So you can say anything. You can be like, let's talk about Wittgenstein. But as long as you're like, and here's how to really get out stubborn stains, people will be like, that's a good piece. I <laughs> well, no, like but it. it, is, it doesn't, I mean, that is, I'm gonna, let's stay on that for a second because I actually agree with that. And I, But I do feel like there is this, um, we are desperate now for explanation. I mean, you know, there's all these like explain, explain the news to me, you know, Vox does it. A lot of BuzzFeed does it all the time. And a lot of other news sites, new news sites, it's like explaining what's going on, right? There's this kind of analysis or commentary on what's just happened. And I'm going to give you my pet theory, which is not that pet of a theory. I mean, I feel like it's made up of other people's theories and I'm just borrowing, but I do think, um, you remember after nine 11? Yes, I am talking about nine 11 after nine 11. <laughs> There was a, I remember there were some studies or some reports that came out that the sale of nonfiction books was like through the roof. Right. Everybody was out buying like why they hate us or whatever the books are. The Looming are. Tower, man. Yeah. That was, that was a good moment for The Looming Tower. Yeah. And, 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 and fiction plummeted. Sales of, of novels was, they were not doing well. Maybe. And by the way, when, when did your novel come out? Uh, 2005. It's called so. The Long Tale of 9 yeah. 11. I think that could have had an impact. Or the bad second half of the novel. But regardless, it's hard, it's hard to say. Hard to say. I think we should blame it on the um, cultural forces far beyond your control. Sure. Uh, but, but, you know, so people got into this thing where they were like, okay, first off, they realized that, wow, the world is really big and we don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And then it was, okay, to fill me in, like fill in the blanks because I don't know what's happening. I want to know because that'll make me feel safer and more mm-hmm. secure. And, and I think that what's happened in journalism, the servicey part of it that you're describing, which is an industry term that, that a person who doesn't work in journalism might actually not know, which is essentially, well, it is what it sounds like. It's, yeah. it's servicey. It's, it's how to, it's a how to, yeah. but that stuff is really, it has, it, it, we've progressed from that. Tell me, explain to me what's going on in the world as we've accelerated how quickly you get information, how quickly you get the first part of the news, which is this thing happened. Yeah. You, we've accelerated the second part, which is tell me why it happened or tell me what's going to happen next. And so we've ended up in this place where we're in a – I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's good or bad, honestly. I, I think we've changed the way our brains work when it comes to news. Mm-hmm. But I'm really just rambling now. No, I mean, look, the way, the way I see it is that the things that seem to succeed really well online are those that – sort of offer you some sort of power or even superpower. Like if they're just like, if you do this, you will get this. Life life hacks. Life hacks, a perfect example, right? Like just, and, and there's like, if you know, if you know how to have jeans that look really broken in, but never wash them. Yeah. Like I was just reading a Josie article from Esquire or something where it was all these tips and tricks on, you know, oh, spray them with vodka. Well, see, there's a rich tradition of this in every like, non-literary non like like every like a men's interest or women's interest magazine or or any part of the media that most of the world interacts with there's tons of that stuff it's like use lemon juice and blah 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 it's just kind of all wrapped up and then on the web it's all broken into eight million little pieces and it kind of all then like wikipedia shows up and that started to become kind of like a weird data center for the entire web where everybody's like okay this is this is where the information will be and so I think there's just this like this path that everybody takes to assuage their fears, try to become more powerful, try to gain more authority and control over their world. Like if you look, why would you buy a newspaper? Like everyone's like preserve journalism. Like who? No one wants to do that. Like you, you buy a, a newspaper so that you have some sense of control and authority over your own existence. That's what it's supposed to do. Information. Right. It delivers that to you. Right. And so like, so for me, I wrote a piece, uh, 
Because so what happened at Harper's, I had like tens of thousands of users and there was very little web budget. So I was in charge of, I built a big archive and I put the whole of the history of Harper's back to 1850 up online, like scanned it, programmed it, whatever. And then after I launched it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm screwed because it, it, it worked pretty well. And thousands of people were sending me emails asking for help and how can I log in? And, you know, like I, they couldn't get to it through AOL because of unusual proxy settings. Like I had all this stuff to deal with. And I realized from how they were interacting with me that at some level, the web really functions in this very like um, consumer service way. Right. And so it's just like, so I started to think about the web as a consumer service medium, not necessarily for publishing. And then I started to look around at things like, and, and then it sort of fell out of my brain at that point that the fundamental, the fundamental question that like on the web for the reader is this kind of like, why wasn't I consulted? So, <laughs> so they look at, so if you, and if you look at like the big sites, like yeah. you look at Yahoo Answers or, or Wikipedia or just all these user gener- generated content driven sites that are completely massive. And then Twitter is a perfect example. Like, that seems to be where people are coming from. They're just going like, "Why? What? what my voice needs to be in there, right?" Well, we got to the, we didn't, we, but didn't we get to this idea? And I don't know where it came from that the point of the internet was to get your a voice out there and connect. What's really with tricky, people. right? Because there's that that moment in the '90s when like John Perry Barlow is writing that. I don't know if you remember this. He wrote this manifesto, and it was just like, "Oh, governments, you weary giants of steel," and it was just like, "No, cyberspace is here." Right, right. And like, so there was this whole Earth catalog '60s '70s vibe of like, "This is it. Everyone gets a voice. Everyone is equal. Everyone." And then. What happens, the decentralization occurs, right? And everyone's like, oh, man, wow, this is scary. We don't like this at all. We got to get there. And, and it gets expressed as like they're pirating our stuff. That's one of the ways people talk about it. Or it's all full of pedophiles. That was the other way people talked about it. Both it, true. Both true, right? That's the internet. And yeah. then slowly, though, new large organizations show up and started to centralize, like Amazon, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And then you kind of get this whole new order emerging and we're kind of back now. Now we're in this weird zone where the new entities are one full order of magnitude larger than the old ones. Like the Facebook is a hundred times bigger than the times and it's like going to start publishing times content. But Facebook is essentially is a version of something that we've always had on the internet. I mean, if it wasn't, a I think B- it's a version. If it wasn't, a, but if it wasn't a BBS, it was a portal. I think it's more like the Bell system. Well, I mean, it will be more like the Bell system. Yeah, I think it's like it's I landing mean, on that. In essence, I mean, in essence, Facebook is their ultimate goal, and the dream of Facebook is to become the internet. Right? Is to be is to be the place where the internet begins and ends. And for many users, it is that way right now. Right. You know, I'm going to actually be an old guy for a minute and be like, I've talked to people in their 30s and 20s who don't know that there was a monopolistic single entity that controlled all of our telecommunications in like the eighties and before, like it's, it's really worth looking up the bell system and realizing how big it was. But doesn't that mean that they're just going to be at some point, isn't there government intervention? Isn't there, isn't the whole point of the government when it intervenes in monopolies to do, to avoid the thing that we're talking about? I mean, because we don't want to, we don't want Facebook to own the internet. Yeah, I don't. First of all, I don't see our government actually the the government that we currently have, Obama's government. No, just the government. I, I just don't. It doesn't seem to be urgently looking for ways to shut down internet monopolies. <laughs> well, net neutrality. These net neutrality uh, rules are encouraging. You don't think encouraging? I don't think. No, I just think that like there's this. I mean, 
You think it's theater? <sighs> no, it's not that. It's just like I'm comparing these two things, but there is an apples and oranges thing. Like the the um, the Bell system arose from scratch, owned all the wires and the phones. You had to lease them. There was absolutely there was no option. It was a government sanctioned monopoly. And they broke it up because actually they wanted to get into computing. And so like you're looking at a substrate of our society that controlled everything. Facebook is built – Facebook is crazy and scary and big, but it is built on top of the internet. Now, if if Facebook ever like controls – has a government monopoly on all of the internet access that we have, that is problematic. Yeah, but access but – the, but the – possibility of access alone can't be enough to to not break up a monopoly i mean the, the idea is that that idea is well look there is a port somewhere over here or there is a way to go use the internet you know google's over here but at some point if facebook is big enough globally don't you think the web is pretty big though i just think people like things don't seem to even Facebook. So I look at Facebook. Like Facebook is is enormous and monolithic, but it has to keep buying enormous monolithic things right. to keep going. And I, I also feel that there's this weird thing going on inside of it where it's like, I can't really articulate this well, but it's like when you buy WhatsApp for 19 or $21 billion, money is different like to you at that point. Like there's clearly <laughs> there's some conversion ratio from like Facebook coins into dollars that they did because right. – they hired like there's like a thirty person company for yeah. like like it just but a, but a massively global I mean a place where Facebook needs to be desperately which is in India or in China or wherever WhatsApp is very I mean those are places where it's very popular yeah like it's huge in Lebanon right like right. It, like that's so it's it absolutely makes sense and you can see but they're just like there's some weird calculation that's going on that is not mortals don't, aren't really privy to. Right. Like they have their own currency at some level and they're like, oh, well, the conversion ratio is pretty brutal, but we better do it. <laughs> well, I mean, for Facebook, it's like, can, it could be life or death. I mean, I think Facebook sees itself as the Facebook it was in 2004 <laughs> when there were things like MySpace and Friendster that existed. Right. And it was this incumbent, it was, you know, sorry, it was, it was trying to be the, um, it was trying to get a word in edgewise. Right. And, and now it knows I mean, you basically have to stop competition in its tracks because it's seen itself. You know, you have to stop what could be Instagram is another track, right. right? Right. If you let Instagram blossom, who knows what it becomes? Maybe people don't want to share photos on Facebook anymore. So I wonder how you even recognize the monopoly, right? Because then there's like five other photos. You, you don't. You spend $19 billion on WhatsApp because you think it could be a monopoly. Right. I don't think they recognize the monopoly. I think they recognize the possible creation, Right. But and at the same time, then they're still acting as a very large competitive enterprise. They have more money than anybody else, right? Well, not Apple. No, not Apple. I mean, Apple has so much more money. If Apple just decides to do something, right? Like we're all in so much trouble. I mean, they could buy. There was a list of the things they could buy recently, and it was yeah, like, like Portugal. It was like Microsoft and Tesla, and I mean, yeah. they could buy ten of the most important companies that exist right now in in technology yeah. and in innovation. Yeah, and they would still have tens of billions of dollars left. Just to just for you know having a good time. It's kind of phenomenal that we don't hate them more. Like, there's never been a company this big and terrifying. Well, that doesn't actually inspire a degree of loathing. Like, well, that's because Paul, they've always positioned themselves at the intersection of technology and liberal arts. They <laughs> <Wait>, really, ah, <laughs> uh, and and you know that's they've always thought of themselves as a company that embraces 
humanity. That's true. They and make, creativity. They make bicycles for the mind. That's right. Yeah. Bicycles and sometimes rocket ships. Oh. Um, so anyhow, you wrote this thing about politeness. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, you published on Medium. In a, in a collection, in a publication on Medium called The Message. The Message, yes. yes. Col- With, collaborative writing thing. And you're in your, your, this was one of the many things you've written for the message. Yes. Um, it was just about how, how you are polite and you kind of go out of your way to be polite. Yeah. And you even have games that you play. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I nice mean, I games. Nice games. The games are where you're focused on a person and you try to let them talk about themselves and what they do for as long as possible. Right. Exactly. Unlike yeah. this podcast. Like I'm not doing that with you, but like in general, if I'm at a party, I feel like I'm talking a lot. No, you're doing good. Okay. I'm getting there. The, um, <laughs> Now, thank you. You're welcome. The uh, the thing I try to do is just like I don't know. You just end up at social events, and you just I just want to focus on other people. Like I don't I don't actually, despite the me talking here on this podcast, I don't necessarily love the sound of my own voice. And I think it's great. I don't have a ton. Thank you. I don't have a ton to say. That's crazy. You know that's crazy, right? Well, I want to hear what other people are up to. But you know, but what you just said, you know, is wrong. What is wrong? That you don't have a ton to say. I have a ton to I sure. But sure. I think you I think you have a ton to say in this environment, I think, but I think what you're saying is and I agree with if you're in a room full of strangers, you can't just I mean, this is actually the small talk problem, isn't it? I mean, isn't because isn't what you're talking about? Isn't politeness kind of small talk? I love small talk. Really, I hate small talk. I hate small talk. Don't you think this is a kind of small talk that we're doing right now? Well, we're not. There are things we could. You and I. Okay, so earlier we started on a conversation about racism, and I think if if we were not recording ourselves and we were not worried that we were going to say something horrible. Because you often do when you're talking about things like racism. I mean, the odds that you or I are going to just completely destroy ourselves in that conversation. Yeah, we got to be pretty high. Yeah, we have to be. We have to make it a little bit more like small talk. Yeah, but no, I mean, yes, we're not talking about deep, you know, philosophical and religious realities that we believe in. No, I mean, we could go there. We could go there. It's not. It's not great podcasting, though. Right? Like, like it would get uncomfortable for people listening. It's just like, or would they love it? Because finally, people have stripped away the bullshit. And are talking about what's real in life. I know, but when you get down to what's real, it's always the same. It's like a, it's a bummer. It really is. And it sounds like you sound like you sound like some uh, some like nineteen year olds who are high in a dorm room because we all believe the same <laughs> like the same stuff. It's right. honestly, yeah, you got to be really. You should be kind to people. Satan is Lord, and he's yeah. going to. <laughs> He's going to return to the earth. Like in that, we all believe in the beautiful story hoof prints when <laughs> we, he carried me. We all believe <laughs> that Satan is an alien sent uh, by a very powerful, powerful, angry alien to destroy humanity. Um, but the sorry, I want to talk about the politeness thing for a second. Sure, because we're way sure, off. Of course, way course. off course. Whatever you want to talk about. The internet is a very impolite place. Do you agree or disagree? <sighs> what is the internet actually? Can I say that still? Can I say the internet? You can. I think that that's our that's our reference. Um, I don't know. I don't think that the internet is that impolite. Actually, I think it it's just it doesn't always have the best impulse control. Um, and I feel that there's a lot of. I mean, I don't know. I seem to do pretty well. Like I have a lot of Twitter followers, and they they're nice to me, and I'm polite with them, and I talk to lots of people. And every now and then, somebody like 
takes me to task. Or I remember when I wrote that politeness piece, somebody got on Twitter and was like, I hate this white person. I would like to punch him in the face. And I was like, well, that's unfortunate. What is your, what does your whiteness have to do with it? I don't know exactly. I don't know. I think we're veering back into the race conversation. They were very upset about that. They were, uh, I don't know. Like, but I was like, all right, that's fine. I have all the things to be angry at you about in that piece. I feel like that that was actually whiteness would not be the one that stood out. No, they felt that I was very in that piece, very heteronormative and very sort of exercising all kinds of privileges. Yeah, that's that's true. Fine. Sensible, sensible criticism. I went away and thought about it after. I didn't appreciate that. Like, I don't think threats of violence are ever good. Um, I've been, I've been on the internet <laughs> no. for a long time, and people have threatened death all the time. And it just seems to be normal. Well, it just seems so easy, so much easier. I mean, you're right; it is impulse control. But um, I'm afraid that the inter- as the internet becomes, well, that's why I asked. Can I say the internet because I feel like it's becoming the wall between what is the internet and what is the rest of how we well, operate? This is, is the so tricky part, right? Because we always, we always had this hypothesis, like that's why everybody would go to like hardcore shows like that, that there was a demon like trying to get out. And now, <laughs> now we're like seeing this demon and it just sucks. Like it's not a cool demon. Like everyone is like, it's a baby. Yeah. The demon is a baby. It's right? just this toddler smashing. It, it's like right? your worst babyish impulses. This is how I feel when I start to get cranky when I'm hungry I start to imagine, I think of my, I think like, oh, I'm just, you know, when people say you're acting like a baby. Right. It's because you are acting. I, now I have a baby. So I know, I mean, I've had a, a child yeah. and I've seen how a baby acts, particularly when it doesn't get food. No, I saw this with my, when my daughter was two or uh, about one and a half, she started to have very strong opinions about her pants, like what she could wear or not. Yeah. And I was like, I totally recognize this behavior. Like she would just be like, no. And I was like, oh, and it'd be like, it would be the yellow pants she wore two days ago. And she'd be like, never. And I was like, oh, oh, like this is why everyone got upset about the Gap logo. This is why everyone got upset. Anyway, look, I think that, but it's also really tricky too, because I've also seen, I've seen very smart, you know, that just as much as you might see like um, someone who, is being really fussy about something online. You'll also see like people in relative positions of power uh, or people who have authority or have voice or get paid to talk, which includes you and me. And people will start to nudge them on Twitter or have actually totally valid criticisms and they'll go full baby. Yeah. And it's like, I've got, I've got baby on Twitter before, but I've learned, I've learned through years of practice and self-control that it's, there's almost never a good reason to engage to engage somebody who's attacking you on Twitter. It never ends well for anybody. What I like to do, ideally, like when there's comments on something, probably the most, for a brief and strange period of my life, I was one of the people who was recapping Mad Men for sleep. And like, that was a level of comment hell I've never experienced in my life. Like this <laughs> Mad Men plus slate. And it was just this journey through hell. Like just like. I, I wrote a column for the Washington Post. And then I, I think we have to wrap up because yeah. I think you and I could talk for a very long time. And I feel like I haven't touched on any, almost any of the things I really I want. I mean, we talked about a lot of things I want to talk about. We can do them real fast. But I feel like there's. No, I don't. I don't want to just. Maybe I'll have, you have to come back. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'll come but, back. But but. Uh, I wrote a, a column for the Washington Post mm-hmm. um, when right around when The Verge started. I did this column, and then we were doing The Verge. And I, I, I've never seen. Yeah. I was not exposed to the the big world. I, you know, I was in this little tiny nerd kind of world where right. where the comments were, "You, you Apple fanboy, how dare you?" This was stuff that was like <laughs> political. It was social. My art. One of my articles I wrote about uh, this idea about socializing. 
socializing um, the networks that we should think of from a, from a more a more social you know socialism could work for networks essentially kaboom reason picked it up you know reason oh, is like yeah. a libertarian yeah, publication and within within like 10 comments people were th- were actually threatening sure like beatings sure violent beatings sure and I just had never been exposed to that level of insanity. You know, it was like not YouTube comments because they were more together. Yeah, no, no. These YouTube's are like, like inter- an international kind of craziness that you sort of are like, well, maybe we don't even speak the same language yeah. that well, so we're not totally and understanding it's each other. It's always something really stupid, and it veers really fast. No, I know the kind of com- the <laughs> kind of comments you're talking about, and what I. It's like, should I buy a gun? It was that kind of thing. Like, should I invest in some security? There's this thing. They're done once they're done commenting. Like, they've forgotten about it. It's it's their release. The thing that, like, there's this this moment. As we're recording this, Hillary Clinton has just announced that she's going to run. Yeah. And, like, the number of takes that appeared from major media organizations. Hot takes. Hot takes. but, But these weren't, like, internet hot takes. These were, like... It was like almost these big kids had come out to play all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Like there's a huge apparatus that's about to get moving. And like and and those people are really good at that. They're really good at just like being hated and going. And we, and, and we haven't actually lived. This is I think we're in a new era in terms of the hot takes and the explainers and where we are right now in terms of how people communicate on the on the Internet. Oh, yeah. This this. Election. 570 days I mean, to that bad boy. This election is going to be a uh, scorched earth. It's nightmare. a whole, it's a whole new. I mean, do you know how many stories about maps that explain uh-huh. the election we're going to see? Oh, yeah. I mean, can you even well, because also comprehend, every, but everybody's got to cash in on their big investment. Like ESPN has to make sense of what they did with Nate Silver, <laughs> right. and like, like the, the upshot over yeah, the I mean, time. Vox will be in full. Vox will be, I think Vox is actually better situated than anybody right now because yeah. you know what they're going to do and it's going to work sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of the time it's going to work, but, yeah, but they, they but have like BuzzFeed is situ- well situated. I don't know. BuzzFeed, that's going to be interesting to see, right? Because it's like, they don't do the grist for the mill in no, the same way. That, I guess that's like maybe, 530, maybe I spoke Remember 538 and you're just like, oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to reload it. And then like, like, <laughs> like, like 538 became like the Twitter of the internet. You're just like chewing. No, I know. No, no, no. I mean, when 538, the whole point was, it was the, it was like the one thing you could rely on. Exactly. I'm just trying. Oh, and, and it's so far away. And I just desperately, like, how long can I hold out? Because there's always, you're just like, I'm not going to care. I'm just going to like focus on yeah. the issues. I'm going to make my own decision and just like move forward. That's how you're thinking, right? And you're like, well, look, and then now it's like, no, this is going to be, this is going to be a nightmare. No, it's going to be crazy. Like, Twitter no. is going to be. And you just I think we should just get off of Twitter during the Hillary election cycle. Clinton is going to raise two point five billion dollars. Imagine that ad spend on social media. Can you there are gonna be so many promoted oh, tweets just like in your, in your timeline. Oh. Think about when you're on Instagram. And they know who we are promoted Hillary for America. This is the thing. They know who we are now. They know how we're going to vote. They know everything because thanks to Facebook. Right. So they're just going to lock that down and you're not going to get to move. Like it's just going to be clockwork orange for everybody, right or left. You're just going to get – someone's going to drill into your eye hole with their, with their sentiment. And we're not even going to know what the other people are seeing. You're not even going to know what the it Republicans matter. are saying. They're just, the, the election is basically already over. Yeah, the Republicans I are I mean gonna, Facebook can probably tell us right now who's going to win. The Republicans are going to be over there going like – Doing ads about Hillary Clinton eating a baby, and we'll never see it. Like we'll never know. Yeah, 
It'll just be all the, the famous baby eater ad. And we'll be like, 10 years from now, we'll be like, what was that? What? How did that happen? How did, that even How did happen? she lose? Yeah. And then everybody, all the people who voted for the Republican candidate will say, the, well, the baby eater. Yeah, right? the baby have, eater. Can't animals. have a president who eats a baby. Once they revealed that, it was all over. Yeah, and we'll say what? what? We can't. We saw the her holding a baby. We'll be like, get ra- be up back to the slave camp. Yeah, blue <laughs> state. <laughs> and then we'll take our. We're going to take our hollow cell back. They'll oh, put us great. back on the track. Look, all okay, of, it's it's going to be rough, man. We got to be strong. I can't top. I said hollow cell. We'll edit out that hollow cell part because I can't top the amazing sci-fi idea you had about what would happen post Hillary losing in America, which I think also kind of showcases where your political uh, attentions lie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's the end of a very strange and exciting episode. Really enjoyed myself. Tomorrow. I, I enjoyed it too. Thank you for coming and Anytime. doing this. And I was very nervous beforehand that, that I don't know, that I wasn't prepared or that we wouldn't. No, we had fun. This is one of the best conversations I've ever had in my entire life. Wonderful. Me too. And I'm not just saying that. And I feel like we, you, you and I, who we've not had that many conversations. We're busy dads. We're busy dads. But also, we're, yeah, I mean, but I, now I feel like we should talk more because there's things that I want to talk to you about. Sure. Anytime. Well, I'm we, always available. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Okay. Um, that, so thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you. That is uh, tomorrow uh, for this week. We will be back next week, of course, because this is a weekly podcast. And if I don't do it every week... Um, I get sent back to the camp, of course. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's bad news. Uh, And uh, thank you for listening. uh, And thank you uh, to our sponsors for supporting this uh, crazy endeavor. And as always, uh, I wish you and your family the very best, even though the things that are coming up ahead, the things that are about to happen to you and the people you love will be horrible, quite horrible indeed. (laughs) 